welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Frenchie is here. My friend, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? Welcome back to the F1 episode this week. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Sarah, for holding down the fort. Uh, I did have a heart transplant, as you noticed. It failed miserably, and now I have what used to be a heart. And I'm going to drink a beer this episode. What beer are we drinking over there? We have, so this is a local beer since I'm back on, on the East Coast. It's called Vault Brewing. It's brewed, I don't know, half mile down the street from, from my parents' house. It is called Opening Bell. It is a breakfast stout with oats, coffee, and maple syrup. And it's uh, just noticed it's quite strong, so I probably won't finish one of these. Because I'm old, but it's it's delightful. It's very good. That was my next question was, uh, what's the ABV? But I guess, eight, I guess we'll never know. Yeah. It's, oh, wow. It's All right. So that's two yeah. beers in one. Yeah. This, this is going to be like a half beer sort of night right now. So anyway, let's find my trivia question. All right, I'm going to give you a, a tough one here and an easy one here because this tough one. If you get this, I would be incredibly shocked. So the first Formula One championship did not take place until 1950. But the first official F1 race took place in what year? The first official race? Yes. Uh, I have to think about that for a second because, yeah, like you said, it was... 1950 when the first drivers and like world championship happened but it was only yep. a couple of years before that when it had the race the first race i think i don't know you want the year it does yeah i mean preferably the year or you want be. the race where it happened if you get the year we'll we'll call it a we'll call it a win okay so if 1950 had happened, like it developed into the world championship, it definitely isn't going to be 1945 because that was right at the end of World War II. So it's somewhere in between there. I'm going to guess 1947. You were close, 46. In 1946, really? okay. yep. In 1946, the first race took place in Turin, Italy at Valentino Park, where an Alpha 158 would take first place. That driver, Akil Varzi, made this race part of his fantastic comeback after his drug fueled past. That's all I know about Mr. Varzi. Wow. Maybe we maybe we could do like an off season deep dive into Mr. Varzi and his drug issues in the I don't know, I guess the nineteen thirties or nineteen forties, but uh okay. Do you want me to do, give a, another one here or you wanna just move on to news? I'm always game for another trivia question. All right. Let's see here. Okay. Roughly, if you count every little nut and bolt and individual part as an individual part, how many components equal a current day F1 car? Like how many how many components does a current F1 car have? Oh man. Okay. Uh I'll give you a hint. It's more than 10,000. Okay. Uh, more than 10,000, then that gives me a window to work in. I'm going to guess it's like 15,000 components then. 
Uh, no, it is eighty thousand. Are you kidding me? No, I am not. There are eighty thousand pieces. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll wrap trivia there. And so today we are going to talk about Mattia Bonotto. No, I'm just kidding. Well, he might come up. Frenchie, I'll let you. He will. Yeah, so we're going to get into this driver. No, not driver. I'm sorry. I'm used to saying that. Team (laughs) principal silly season, which has, I guess, really blown up in the last couple of days to the past week or so. Basically, I think the first thing that happened, and we covered that with Sarah, was that Mattia Bonotto resigned. And you can believe or not that he was pressured out of Ferrari. I kind of think that he was removed or asked very forcefully to remove, to like remove himself. Yeah. I mean, we know that Charles Leclerc really doesn't like him. So he he's their golden boy. That matters. He also, I mean, he's been at Ferrari since I don't even know when. Like, I think it's sometime in the 90s he started there. And Yeah, he worked his way, his way up. up. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, but he wasn't appointed by the current, like, CEO of Ferrari. He was appointed by the previous person, whoever that was. I, I don't remember. I think that was Sergio Marchione, the guy who was, like, I think he passed away recently. But... Whoever the new CEO is maybe wanted to put their own person in. And now the rumors that Fred Visser or Big Frank, as I believe uh, he used to call him, or is that you? Uh, that was Hickey, yeah. Okay, yeah. So Big Frank uh, is now in at Ferrari, moving over from Sauber. I was looking into his background, and the guy certainly knows how to run a team. Because I did not realize that he had founded ART Grand Prix, like the, I guess, junior single-seater team, you could call them, with um, Alan Prost's son at some point, like the early 2000s. Yeah, and they won a lot of, like, they have one, two, three, four, five, six, six F2 championships that I can count, including, like, four of those are GP2. So Nico Rosberg won with them, Lewis Hamilton... Nico Hulkenberg won his F2 championship. I forget. There, I mean, Russell won. Nick DeVries won with them. There's somebody else in the middle there that I don't remember. But so he ran that for a while. Then I guess I didn't even remember this. Do you remember this? That he was the team principal at Renault when they first came back in 2016. Yeah, he didn't make it a year though. He uh, butted heads with how they were trying to run the team and said, you know what, I'm out of here. Right, he and Cyril did not get along. So then he he was, I guess, forced to leave or he decided to walk out before it, things got even worse. But so he has experience, right? And he's been running Sauber and Sauber hasn't been great. But he is the fourth non-Italian in their entire history and only the second French person to run Ferrari after Jean Tot. So if he follows in Jean Tot's footsteps, this will work well. However... His title is different than Mattia Bonotto's, which I want to get into a little bit. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. But so he's going to be the team principal. But Mattia Bonotto was also the managing director of the, and I'm going to butcher this, Gestione Sportiva, which is the like entire racing division of Ferrari. 
However, Fred is just going to be the general manager. So that sounds like a demotion so, to me. I'm going to spin it in a different way. <laughs> I'm glad you said it was a demotion because that's not how I wanted to take it. I think, and I'm sorry, I might have cut you off there. I got really excited after you know having one-tenth of a beer. Uh, <laughs> that That it's not necessarily a demotion, but it's maybe Ferrari going, okay, listen, maybe we need to change how not only... Yeah, you know, maybe we need a new person in there, but also maybe we need a little bit more, you know, another person in there to handle the other side of things. So it's taking some of the unnecessary workload off of Big Frank and onto somebody else. So you, have, you know, Frank can worry about you know, what he needs to worry about as team principal and not some of the other stuff. And maybe that helps the team in the long run. That's just a total guess. No, that would be the ideal outcome. However, given how political Ferrari is as an organization, I don't know. Somehow I think adding another person into the mix won't be helpful. It'll just complicate things even more. But we'll see. Mattia never seemed like he was the most, like, the shrewdest operator. I mean, maybe that was just his appearance, kind of giving that, like, dweebish vibe. Um, Right. Right. I don't know. We'll have to see how Fred does. I guess, I don't know how long... They're going to give him to succeed, but he's coming in at a good time in Ferrari, right? Like their engine is really powerful. They're, you know, they're, they're at a good point. So hopefully they trend upwards and he looks good in that way and they don't have to change again. But I always worry at Ferrari that, you know, whoever it is, is the scapegoat because you're basically representing the entire country of Italy when you're the uh, team boss. Yeah, you know, you are right on that one. Okay, so the next one. So that that all triggered that. Now we have learned that um, Andreas Seidel, who was previously the team principal at McLaren, is going to move over and be the CEO of Sauber, not the team principal. So that's that's different. That's an important distinction. He was apparently going to leave McLaren after 2025 when his deal ended. But I guess he talked with Zach Brown and they said, you know what, let's just cut ties early. Like, you can just go over there and do this. This is kind of the perfect timing. And so he's going to be the CEO of Sauber, which is really good because he has connections with um, Sauber already because he, I guess, worked for BMW and F1 from 2000 to 2009. And so I guess it's like 06 through 09. It was the BMW Sauber team. So I guess they know him. And then he also, I think at some point, was the team principal for Porsche's LMP1 program. So was maybe it? that's the link that he has to like the, yeah, in like 2013, 2014. Okay. So so that's the link that I think he has to Audi coming in, right? Okay, okay. And so, so he's going to be the guy that I think Audi wants to put out front and like spearhead their efforts. And they're getting started early. So I don't know if their goals are basically just going to be, okay, we can just kind of write all of this off until 2026, and we're just going to be building up on that in the background as we bumble around at the back of the grid for the next two years. 2023? No, three years. 2023, 2024, and 2025. We'll see. I don't know. But I think, I mean, the Audi thing bodes well for that team. 
st- stepping up, and Andreas Seidel knows what he's doing. So it'll be a good thing. I, I And McLaren um, promoted, and I have to find his name. It's something like Stella, which I was just thinking of the beer. <laughs> Isn't it Andreas Stella? Or... Yeah, it is Andreas Stella. Okay. Yeah. And so Look at that. I he, actually know something. He actually started his career at Ferrari, and then he was the engineer for Schumacher from 02 to 06. Kimi Raikkonen, he's the performance engineer, uh, 07, 08. And then he was Alonso's race engineer for a few years. So, And then he joined uh, McLaren, and he's you know it's promoting from within. So he knows that team right. already, and I think that's a good choice. Yeah, I have no issue there. Yay. Go team. All right, so that covers all the ones that I think are, you know, not necessarily good or bad. We'll wait to see how they play out. But what about Williams, man? Um, Yost Capito stepped down, and then so did the technical director of the team, whose name is Francois Xavier, or FX, de Maison. He also left. Um, that's not good. No, no, sir. Um, yikes! It's William. Might, Williams might be back to the to the woodworking stage if they're, if they're not careful. Yeah, my concern is Doralton is getting bored with this giant investment that they've been pumping in because Williams doesn't really have sponsors, and so they're just pumping in all the money. And they're going to want to sell soon. And I don't know, maybe there was a disagreement or Yoss Capito and FX, which is kind of a cool name. I'd like that as my nickname. Um, yeah. I guess maybe they didn't like the way that it was going to go. Who knows? But this is definitely not a good thing for the team that's already planted at the back of the grid. Get ready, race fans, because the ultimate NASCAR experience is about to hit the airwaves. Welcome to Pit Pass NASCAR, the podcast that takes you deep into the heart-pounding world of NASCAR racing. Join us each week as we bring you closer to the NASCAR action with exclusive interviews and all the news and rumors you need with your favorite drivers, team members, and industry insiders. So whether you're a fan of super speedways, short ovals, or road racing, or you've just watched Talladega Nights, Pit Pass NASCAR is the podcast you've been waiting for. Get ready to fuel your passion for NASCAR like never before. Subscribe now to Pit Pass NASCAR on your favorite podcast platform or head to evergreenpodcast.com and get ready to join us. Launching in the fall on Evergreen Podcast Network. Follow us on social media at pitpass underscore NASCAR to stay up to date with everything you need to know about the podcast. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minterdial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning, or have never even heard of paddle, or padel, as it's called in North America, this is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with the Pro Tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. 
where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Yeah, I don't think Doralton's necessarily going to want to sell because the F1 teams are so valuable nowadays that they are probably still making a decent amount of money, even though it's Williams. So now I think if this is three or four years from now and you know they are still essentially last on the grid or you know next to last on the grid with Aston Martin and Haas, then yeah, maybe. But I don't think right now that's probably on their mind. My question is, who are they going to promote? Like, I guess maybe it has to be somebody from within. But if you are a team principal from another team, you're not looking to go to Williams. It's going to be hard to attract anyone. And so they kind of interrupt this process of Yas Capito and the uh, technical director, you know, kind of building things and their mission that was more long term. And if you take them out of the equation, maybe those efforts can continue. But I think just kind of removing someone hinders that process because they have, you know, there's going to be a lag time of somebody else learning and taking over and just embedding themselves in the organization. Yeah, that's fair. Hey, real quick, before we continue on, I forgot to (laughs) probably a couple weeks ago at this point, say congrats to my buddy Ryan for winning our Grid Rival League. As his prize, he gets he gets a David Malukas IndyCar 164th diecast because that's what I had in my desk, and it was supposed to be a birthday gift for somebody's nephew who doesn't need a birthday gift anymore, and so now it's Ryan's. Continue. Where did we finish? Let's see. I finished... I don't even want to know. I was probably like 25th. I'm going to look. I finished ninth in the league. Not terrible. No, Cody was fourteenth. Eh, that sucks. Um, you were twenty second. That's still not that bad because I'm scrolling all the way down. There's like a hundred and something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, oh, 194 people total. Okay. I mean, listen, it's it's a better prize than you know the prize I got for winning that other league last year. But <laughs> I hopefully next year, Good Rival, you know, we'll be back with Good Rival again, most likely running running an F one league. Hopefully, we can get some good prizes next year. But TBD, and I'm not going to worry about that until after the season starts next year. Fair enough. Okay, so last little two pieces of news. Number one is that I guess Honda has said or registered, I'm sorry, with the FIA for the 2026 engine rules, which just means the FIA sent out a request that said any manufacturers that want to run power units starting in 2026 with the new regs, you have to notify them by the middle of November. And so Honda did that. It doesn't necessarily mean they're going to enter. Um, but it's the first step that they would need to take if they were going to do so. Uh, it sounds like they want to buy a team and be Honda F1. So I don't know. I could see that becoming like Alpha Tauri, just getting bought out or something. 
and becoming Honda F1, but who knows? I I don't know. I think they'll just stick with the current Red Bull format, honestly. You know, where they're just the engine supplier and they get all the credit and then all the stuff and and that's all they have to worry about. Just just a gut feeling. Well, not if our next piece of news and the last piece of news is true, and that Ford might be linked to Red Bull in 2026. Yeah, you give your thoughts first. Okay, so obviously the last time Ford was in F1, I think genuinely their effort was the uh, Jaguar <laughs> effort uh, run by, what, Bobby Rahal and Nicky Lauda, and they still couldn't figure it out with a massive budget from Ford. I, I, yeah, that was a huge failure. And then they sold it to Red Bull. That became the Red Bull team. Um, I don't know. I, I guess the Ford and Red Bull partnership goes back to when the Saubers were powered by Ford engines and had Red Bull sponsorship on the side in like 95, 96. That's what all the images are popping up on these news articles. Uh, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I think it would be pretty stupid for large manufacturers to ignore the massive groundswell in F1 popularity. You know, if you're Toyota, if you're Ford, if you're, I'm just trying to think of some of the big manufacturers. I've even heard like Hyundai might be interested. I don't know about that, but yeah, you know, just big teams, obviously Audi's jumping in and they haven't really had a history. Um, Porsche's interested Right, if you're a big manufacturer, it makes sense. Like we're not going to see Chevy jump in just because they, they don't really have, I don't think, a European market. Um, right. As much, you know, Ford is more of a global brand. It'd be interesting. I, I'd want to see it. I mean, I guess they had Cosworth before that. Yeah. I think was sort of the last tie that that Ford was with F1. I could see it happening if they do the deal that Porsche was going to do initially that Red Bull then backed out from? So I think that their entry into F1 is somewhat dependent on their, on the new sports car formula success. If there is, you know, high success in, you know, what they get out of the LMDH program, they're not going to F1 because it's, you know, they have a program that has worked pretty well. They're jumping back into sports cars and, you know, we, they just released a rendering of the 2024 car today or is it 2023 car the other day? Anyway, so I am, I don't want to say highly skeptical that Ford will do F1 again, but I would say quite skeptical, like on a scale of one to 10, like a six, maybe a six and a half, okay. if that makes sense. All right. I mean, that's not so wait that's towards doubting it towards doubting it yeah okay so there's a 60 percent chance it won't happen correct that's what you're saying okay i'd put it probably the other way there's a 60 percent chance that it will happen just because i think that would be the smart move for the corporation but it's definitely not a done deal we've heard many of these things before obviously these are just kind of rumors i don't know even where these came from necessarily they're just kind of out there swirling around but, you know, these manufacturers are poking their heads in and wanting to get a piece of the pie. Why can't you have LMDH and F1? I mean, we know that I think Honda said they're using a lot of their technology from 
F1 that is you know going into the hybrid component of their LMDH car, the Acura car. So sure, you know sure. maybe you have maybe they share development and it you know lowers the cost and you can kind of kill two birds with one stone. If you had to pick out of all the like kind of. I don't want to say rumored manufacturers, but manufacturers that you and I just kind of talked about, like Porsche and Audi and Ford and I guess technically Honda, et cetera. If you had to pick one to be like, that's the name I would love to see on an F1 car, whether it's because you're a fan or whatever, what would it be? Hmm. Or which one would it be? Sorry. Good question. Um, I think I'd personally like to see Toyota come back in and do it right because they had all the budget in the world and they've been really dominant. I mean, partly circumstantial in the WEC, right? Yep. Yep. With their, uh, whatever, what are they called? Hypercar? No, that's Hypercar. a new thing. What are they called right now? Oh, the LM, the LMP one. LMP one. Yeah. I was, I was doubting myself and I was about to say LMP two, but no, continue. Um, I, I think it'd be cool to see them do it just because that team was around for a, what, I don't know, maybe eight, 10 years or so in the two thousands. And they had all the budget in the world and didn't get it done. They never got a win. So I think it'd be neat to see them come back in, especially because you know, there would be a massive rivalry between Honda and Toyota. Yeah. And I mean, Toyota was going to be my first pick before you took it just because I drive uh. a Toyota. Because you have one? Yeah. Yes. But so I not would Ford. say... <laughs> def, no, no not Ford. Based on your past vehicle. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thanks for reminding me. I almost forgot about that car. I would say Porsche, <laughs> just because I think it's like a... Like, I, you know, Porsche sports cars are, are always super nice looking, and I think it would be really cool to see, you know, Porsche in, you know, non-sports car type racing again. So that would be my Besides pick, Formula but... E. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't... We're only, like, half-counting Formula E right now. Yeah, even though those new cars look good. I didn't love how they looked on track in the testing photos, but I also... It's just testing, so I'm not, like... I'm not that, like, concerned about it in any way. Like, I'll I'll wait to see the first race, or highlights of the first race, if it's on at, like, 3 o'clock in the morning again. Yeah, I think it's... I think it might be in Mexico, actually. Okay, that's so good. It'd be on a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, right. uh, I think that's about it for the news, unless you have anything else. I mean, the last thing I wanted to say is I think that Tesla might be the next uh, manufacturer to jump into F1. You know, their founder just kind of loves to throw things out there and then, you know, just drop billions of dollars and see what happens. And then. Maybe watch fire everyone burn. at the existing team that he buys. Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> kind of fun to watch. Can you imagine Drive to Survive featuring Elon Musk? Whoa. You know, I, I hated your idea at first, and now that you said that, I'm I like where your head's at, man. I, I think that could be that could be like rich energy on steroids. Yeah, yeah. He's like a human grenade. He just loves to blow stuff up just to see what happens. And he has enough money to be able to do it. Can I just say that my life is Empty for so many reasons, but one of them is the fact that Rich Energy is no longer on my Twitter since he blocked me. It's very incomplete. I would think that that would be like de-stressing you, like a calming 
it never oh, stressed me out. It was fun to just pick at him, especially, you know, once he claimed that I didn't invite him to an interview and then I posted the screenshots of the fact that I did invite him, then it was just fun for me. Like, it didn't stress me out. It was just fun. I mean, do we even know what's going on with that guy? I guess you can't really see, and I never care to look. I could go in and look. I could go on my yeah, you have other means burner of... account. Right. Yeah. You could, you could find here. out. Rich Energy CEO. Hasn't blocked me there. Silly, silly fool. Anyway, we won't worry about that now because it'll take me a while to read through his tweets. All right, we'll wrap it there. Frenchy and I will be back next week to talk F1 news. Maybe we'll do expanded F1 trivia if there's not too much news as it's the week heading into Christmas next week. Frenchy, are we doing episodes the week after Christmas? I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe 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 we'll just do like one episode for both IndyCar and F1. We'll just combine it into one. Yeah, because I I subscribe to the Beyond the Grid podcast, and I love yeah. that show just because of the access that they get. But when I saw, I think it was today, because we're, we're recording on a Wednesday, that it dropped into my feed, and it was like highlights from 2022, and they just mashed up like audio from the existing episodes of the year i hate that crap like don't even give me that episode because i'm just gonna delete it i don't need to listen to these again in like a condensed format i can promise you if we're putting out some sort of highlights thing it's because you and i are both deathly sick and just need to throw something up there but we'll do something at least if it's just like one episode where we just talk about racing or something like that but uh anyway we'll wrap it there everybody have a fantastic weekend of racing. Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-backed training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals that you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you.